1: Dive into this mailbag because we do have some good questions here. If you have some more questions, let's throw them in there. Uh, I have now seen in the chat three different quarterbacks projected to nerd in the portal. So uh, I will, I am going to, we will have a show on that. We'll have some, a portal show this week. I'm also going to do an article that's going to sort of be redone every time a quarterback that I like enters the portal. I'm going to look at some guys. I'm going to break them down. Are they good fits or not for Notre Dame? And so I'll start – I'll probably have that starting tomorrow. And then as new guys get the portal that I like, we'll, we'll add them to it and just kind of – Portal report. I like that. I yep. like that. Yeah, well, quarterback is the main one. My first article is going to be here's the needs in the portal. Here's where they need to look. And then I'll kind of – because quarterback's the big one. If, if they only get a quarterback in the portal this year and he's a kid they can play, yeah, that's success. Like if, if – give me another – even just another Jack Cohn. Right. And obviously that's my opinion of Jack Cohn. Right. I mean, other people don't think it's highly of Jack Cone. I did. And I, and I, and I'll take this to my grave, Ryan, Jack Cone's already starting quarterback this year. They're at worst 11 and one. Like that's no disrespect to drew, but it, it's, it was a combination of, he could run Tommy's offense. He was a veteran. You know, he'd been through all of that stuff. He could have been able to handle some of the tough spots. He would, he showed last year love Tyler's talent, but Jack makes that fourth quarter. those fourth quarter throws that tyler didn't hit because he he's done it before he's been through those battles he's been through those wars he missed those throws early in his career like a lot of young quarterbacks make and then he learned from it and got better at it so but you know you need to get a, a guy that can come in and and just be a really good player in my opinion is is the ideal situation but we're gonna we're gonna discuss that and 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 wrap that up so uh ryan woolridge says what happens thank you for the super chat ryan he said um what happens if both quarterbacks for the pack get hurt? Was talking about NC State on that one. Ryan, I would love to answer your question, but I'm just not quite sure are you referring to. I'm gonna assume he's talking about NC State because they're down to two quarterbacks, right? I mean I guess. Because yeah. MJ Morris was banged up and then they had the Finley oh, ben kid. Ben Finley. Playing. Yeah, Ben yeah, Finley. Was in playing the bowl so. game. Because uh, yeah. so the, yeah. Oh I mean you're gonna have to find somebody on your team <laughs> that can take a snap and hand the ball off. I mean, that's really what it yeah. boils down to. Yep. Uh, but if you're talking about something else, Ryan, please let me know, because I, I want to make sure that I'm answering your question. I'm, sh- I'm sure they have uh, an emergency quarterback ready, somebody that played yeah. it in high school. You most know, teams do. Yeah, yeah, most teams will do that. Good team. Well, coached teams will
0: anyway. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: David Hess with a super chat. I love the heart this team showed. Thank you very much, David. By the way, for your super chat, I really do appreciate that. I love the heart this team showed this year. Here's hoping for that ninth win and onward to next year. Thanks for all the content, guys at IB. I'm gonna say this, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Heart's not enough, right? You you got to you got to play well and win games. However, what he's saying here is part of the foundation I'm talking about. Like there is no spinning that this was a su- successful season. We're not gonna do that. Mm -hmm. What this show is about is in spite of it being a disappointing season, there was a lot of stuff that you can build off of to make you excited for what they're going to do. And, and what I'm going to bring up after David's question to tie into David's question to get Mm -hmm. to it is it's not unheard of for a coach to kind of not do well his first year and then bounce do things really well. And so, uh, but if the heart's not there, if you've got, I've I've always felt this as a coach, Ryan, and I know you've coached a little bit too. Mm Mm-hmm. If a kid is a hard worker and even sometimes plays too hard or too out of control or, you know, I can work with that. Mm-hmm. But if I got a kid who doesn't want to work, a kid who, who doesn't have the right attitude, that's harder to fix. Because yes. that's an that's an inside here problem for that kid that I can't get into that. If mm-hmm. a kid's a hard worker and has the heart, it's like the story I love hearing about Lou Holtz. I think it was um, after the bowl game. I think it if I remember correctly, somebody else might be able to prove me wrong. It was after the bowl game that they lost in 80s after the 87 season, I believe because Notre Dame lost their final three games of the year that year. And Lu, there's a story that Lou Holtz came in and he goes in the locker room and it might've been after the 86, like the last game, of the 86 season. I, I can't quite remember. Some of the others can, can maybe point that out and help me re- re- remember that one basically he he walks into the locker room and there's this one of his players is in there sobbing after the loss. Mm-hmm. It was Chris Zorich. Hmm. Problem is Chris Zorich didn't play in the game, but he 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 hurt that much. He loved that team so much that he was just sobbing in the locker room after a loss that he didn't even play in. And he was like, "That's the kind of kid I want on my football team, right?" And that's the thing is, if the heart is there, mm-hmm. if the if the willingness to work is there. We can fix as a coach. We can fix all the other things. Looking at it from a coaching standpoint, I can fix the practices. I can work on this. I can improve this. I can I can make a change here if the foundation is strong, right. if the willingness to put in the work is there. If they then care. it's up to me to fix those things. If I have kids that don't want to be here, then you're Texas A&M. Yep.
3: Or and Miami right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's we never saw that from Notre Dame this year. Mm -hmm. And that's the important. And they had multiple chances to quit. They had multiple chances to have veterans. Isaiah Foskey and and Michael Mayer, if they would have, after Stanford, said, I'm done, people would not have liked it, but people would have understood. And not only did they not do that, they doubled down and played their butts off in the next several games. Like Isaiah Foskey bounced back from what was arguably the worst game of his career with one of the best games of his career, the next week, and he was also really good against Clemson. The week after that, that yep. tells me something about the heart of him and this and he, football team. And he played his butt off against USC. Man, yes. he played his butt yes. off against
3: USC. Yes, yep.
1: that says something about not only Isaiah Foskey, but where this team is and how Michael Mayer improved as a blocker is an yes. example that we've given For during the season. No reason. Yeah. He had no reason to do so. Nobody was. Nobody in the NFL was going to care much about that. Nope. but, just, going the first but he regardless. knew it's what he needed to do to win because this was going to be a running football team. And it says a lot about that. Jarrett Patterson would have had every reason to, and Marcus Freeman said this to say, Hey, I'm not playing. I'm injured. I got too many injuries. I I can't, I can't do it. But he answered the bell every single game. Once it came back.
3: I always point to another good example too, Brian from Michael Mayer is it was the Cal game, right? Where, where Pines airmailed that yeah. one where it was
1: wide he open. The seam route.
3: Yeah. Yes, and instead of Michael Mayer going on the sideline and sulking and being to himself and just saying, "Drew, you suck," get away from me. He goes right to Drew Pine to pick him up. Right, and right. a lot of pass catchers would just been like, Dude, you suck," get somebody else in here that can make that throw. And right. instead, he was the ultimate teammate, the consummate teammate, and was there to pick up his quarterback. Which I think say, yep. I think it speaks volumes to the player. And that was the week after they just lost to Marshall, right? Like that's yes,
1: yep. Now that ties into another question that we had down here from Siki Thirteen, and he says, "Now that the regular season is done, is there a first year coach in memory from anywhere in football that was similar to Freeman and might give us foresight into where this can go?" I'm going to give you two polar op- a couple polar opposite examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, I think the most direct example is Kirby Smart, mm-hmm. and obviously his first year at Georgia, they went eight and five. Uh, they went uh, they went eight and four in the regular or seven and five in the regular season. Lost to Ole Miss 45-14, lost at home to Tennessee 34-31, lost to Vanderbilt, lost to Georgia by two touchdowns, and then got beat by Georgia Tech at the end of the season. Went into the bowl game, beat TCU 31-23. And the next year they played for a national championship. Beat Notre Dame, played for a national championship. Uh Dabo Sweeney needed two years to really get going. His first year, uh, they went nine and five. His second year they went six and seven. Third year they went ten and four. By year four, uh, they were the top ten team. Uh, back-to-back years. So, I mean, that was a similar example, a little bit different. And then another example, the one that kind of probably means, I think is is probably the most direct to, to Marcus Freeman based on who he stepped in for. But, you know, he he inherited a, a team at Ohio State that went 8-4, and four, right? Mm-hmm. Lost four of their last seven games uh, to ranked teams. Lost to number 16 Purdue, lost to number 19 Michigan, lost to number 14 South Carolina. Uh, uh, Lou Holtz coached South Carolina team. And then the next year, Jim Trestle steps in and he goes seven and five, including losing their bowl game. They were seven and four, seven and four going into the bowl game, and lost a bowl game to South Carolina. Uh, and so you go into that and seven and five. That's your, and he was a guy that had experience, but it was he was at, at FCS, he was at Youngstown State. Is this really? You know, yeah, they beat Michigan that year, but what do they mm-hmm. do the next year, Ryan? They go out and win a national championship, and beat one of the greatest collections of talent I've ever seen in my life in that Miami team. It was ridiculous, man. <laughs> you know, uh, and and Fra- of course... Fra-
3: Frank Gore was like a third-string
1: running back right, on that team. He exactly. They, dude, they had... they That team... I mean, that team was insane. Like, the year before on that team, you had Willis McGahee playing fullback. Right? Wasn't D.J. Williams the full, a fullback on that team? A guy that eventually became a starting linebacker in the National Football League was a first-round draft pick for the Broncos? Yeah, he was a stud. Right? Man. He was a really good linebacker. He was playing yeah. fullback on that team, I believe. And, and you know, so... And, and so that – I mean, that's – but it was about the foundation was laid in year one, mm-hmm. the foundation of toughness. You know, what was the big knock on John Cooper? Couldn't win the big game. Yeah, Good teams just couldn't win the big game. And that was a knock on Brian Kelly, right? And now John Cooper's records weren't as good as Brian Kelly's because the Big Ten was really good back then. And you if you weren't good, you weren't going go to go 11-1 and one against a soft schedule like Brian Kelly had last year. So I think it's it's one of those things where – but the foundation was laid during that 7-5 and five season, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at that team. They had a, a tough loss at UCLA early in the year. They lost at home to Wisconsin by three. They lost at to Penn State by two. Lost to Illinois at home by 12. Beat Michigan on the road. And then, you know, all the momentum from that game is gone because they lost to, to S- South Carolina in a bowl game. But, again, they had some really talented young players, and he laid a foundation of toughness. This is how we're going to compete. He didn't waver from that. And then the next year with some tweaks, they went out and won a national championship. Now I'm not saying they're going to do that, but there are plenty of examples of that happening in college football. And I'm sure if I spent 10 minutes, I could think of more, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's, there's clearly more. I mean, it didn't take Nick Saban very long to get that Alabama team turned around, but what he was willing to sacrifice losing to Lee's and Monroe because he was trying to do something bigger than right now. And I think that's the part that we talked about earlier that was so important is Marcus Freeman probably could have made some tweaks to this team that might've actually allowed them to score a little more or make a few more stops, but they'd have been short-term fixes and they would have just masked the problems that existed, but he didn't do that. He said, no, no, no. We're doing something bigger. Our season's already, I mean, we're not playing for championship. That's been done since September 10th. So now it's about we're building for, for the future, with while also trying to win all the games this year, I'm not saying they sacrifice wins this year. I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is he wasn't willing to sacrifice. This is who we're going to be for short term, short term, short term success. There's going to be some bumps in the road. And that's something that I think was smart. And that's something that his mentor did there. And Lou Holtz similar. And Lou Holtz on five and six in his first year. And the next year Notre Dame comes out and started really, really well. You know, I think they started, uh, if I remember correctly, Ryan, I think they started eight zero. I believe in '87. No, eight and one. They were eight and one. They lost at Pittsburgh, but they beat number nine Michigan on the road. They beat number seventeen Michigan State. I, I'm saying this one for Ladarius's uh, for his benefit. They beat number ten Alabama, thirty-seven to six, and they climbed all the way up to number seven that next year. And then they lost their next three games. And Lou Holtz never wavered from his foundation, but he said, "I'm going to find people that want to be here." He right. didn't change. He said, no, no, this is who we are, and if you don't want to be here, go somewhere else because mm-hmm. the guys that I'm playing next year are the guys that are going to believe, do what we we're saying to do, and that's what I felt like we saw go happen this year at Notre Dame yep. is that, and that's what we're going to see this offseason. There's going to be some heart to hearts with kids saying, hey, if you don't want to buy into this, I love you and appreciate everything you've done, but this isn't the place for you. And, and I think that's one of the other things that has me kind of optimistic about what's the, the future holds. Okay. Got a couple more here, Ryan, Or several more here. Uh, Cuba, C- Cuba Puig, the cut is smooth BD. Thank you very much. Uh, somebody asked earlier also, if this is, uh, here it is from, uh, and thank you for the super chat, uh, Cuba. I appreciate that. Austin Schaumburg said, is this, is your hair always that short or am I thrown off by you not having a hat on? Um, my hair's, always the short except when i mean i don't i'm i go a month without cutting it it gets longer but i've had this pretty much this haircut since i was like 16 years old a couple times i let my hair grow out and i just got kind of combed it over but i was like i hate this i don't like having hair i just like this i just like the tight fade and good to go and and the best part about this is it's free so you know (laughs) there's that too hair haircuts are expensive man i got one last week that was like 21 bucks so mine mine all mine costs is time all right, so uh, yes, that's absolutely so. I, I appreciate the, the everybody noticing, and, and I knew it was going to happen too. I, we we talked about that, but I appreciate that, and it's it's uh, it's yeah, I, I love it. It's great. Michael S with a super chat. Why couldn't Notre Dame run the ball or stop the run at USC? We we kind of talked about that in the post game show. Why couldn't they run the ball? USC was basically going to say we're going to outnumber you, not leverage you, and make it hard on you. And Notre Dame could have pounded their head against the wall and tried to run the ball. Into outnumbered boxes, or they could have said, "Let's rip them up with the pass game," and that's exactly what they did. They just was it the 318 you know, yards, right? Or yeah, whatever it was. 23 or it of 26. Was... Yeah. So now it wasn't good enough, sure. mainly because the second part they couldn't do. Why? That's yeah. a long conversation. There's a lot of different reasons. I, the Scheme wasn't good. Linebacker play wasn't good. All the stuff we talked about in the post game show um, it was a bad plan, and it and that bad plan wasn't executed well. That's a that's okay. a bad combination. Real bad combination. And at times, USC's kids made some really good plays. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's part of it too, but it's not the only reason right. that they didn't have success. Yeah. And, and
3: I mean, you have to give them part credit, right? Andrew Voorhees is a good football player. Austin Jones is a good football player. But Notre Dame made them look like elite football players, right? right? And that's that just can't happen. Just can't happen.
1: Yep. Next one here is from uh, – we actually already got to that one. This is from Ryan Elliott. Brian, thoughts on a possible LSU matchup? They're probably going to be ranked too high but I think that would be a huge draw. Well, I mean, it'd be a huge draw. I, I don't know if it's possible based on – I mean, if look, if USC loses this weekend, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Alabama gets into the playoff, which I think is, is insanely stupid. But at the same time, who are you going to take Ohio State, who just got curb stomped by Michigan? I mean, it's, it's – everyone that's arguing for an expanded playoff, like this is not the year for you to be banging that drum. Because you're gonna have trouble getting four good teams into the playoffs this year, much less eight or twelve. You know what I mean? Like there's like three teams that are deserving of playoff bursts right now. With all due respect to USC, they earned the four spot for now. But that's not a that's not a this USC team would get destroyed by almost every playoff team that I've seen going back up until Michigan State in 2016. That's probably the last playoff team I've seen that wouldn't whoop this Michigan team, in my opinion. Or this uh sorry, not Michigan, um, this USC team. With all doers, including the last two Notre Dame teams that made the playoff, would beat this USC team, in my opinion. So, anyway, that's a different conversation for a different day. But yes, LSU would be a huge draw. I think it's a, I think it's a favorable matchup for Notre Dame. I won't spend too much time on it just because if it is the matchup, we'll I have plenty of time to talk about it. But that's not a matchup that would scare me. It's not first of all, I don't know. But here's the thing too, Ryan, is part of the reason I will not talk too much about the bowl game yet, is I don't know who's going to be playing, who they're going to be playing. And then who's going to be playing for either of those two teams. Right. Right. You know, so um, it's just a little too early for that. But I just in big picture, Ryan, to address, I would love an LSU matchup in a bowl game. I would love it.
3: For sure. For sure.
1: And Notre Dame's had pretty good success against LSU in bowl games. So that's right. Yep. Bob Kosky. Thank you, Bob. Brian and Ryan, what are your thoughts on Tommy Reese? Do you cats believe he deserves another year or do you think Freeman should let him go? Uh, we, we have no opinion on that, that that we care to share. That's not our call. Yeah. Uh, there's really nothing that co- positive that comes from uh, us weighing in on that, and that's just not what we do. I, I've said this before, Bob, on the website. I'll just make it clear here. As a former coach, I don't find it uh, appropriate or, or right for me to go out there and say coaches should be fired for uh, reasons other than, like, I I had no problem saying Scott Frost needed to go because it wasn't about football, why I thought he needed to be fired. It was other stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have no problem criticizing the hire of Hugh Freeze. I'm all for second chances, but sometimes for like people think that forgiveness means, okay, you can go right back to the job you had, right? Like, no, I can forgive you for your transgression, but that doesn't mean I'm going to trust you again and then hire you again. Right, I mean he, that's he, he even got a better job technically, which is wild. Yeah, wild. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but it doesn't matter what we think about it. Yeah. We're going to evaluate yeah. the job that that Coach Reese did. We'll evaluate the job and the expectations for what he needs to do. What does he get better at if Coach Freeman keeps him? Which I, as of right now, I fully anticipate Tommy Reese being the offensive coordinator next year. I, I don't think Marcus Freeman's going to go shake up his staff too much, and I kind of understand it, Ryan. Like, look, you went through a, a bit of a crazy year. You're all kind of learning to, to there's some good things and some bad things. You know, for the most part, I need you to make this change. I need you to make this change. As long as you're cool with that, let's roll. Let's roll together and, sure. and move forward. But, you know, will that be the case? I have no idea. I anticipate him being back. And it's going to then be about, okay, what does Tom and Reese need to do to get this team to maximize his potential in offense? That's what we're going to focus mm-hmm. our time on. And I don't mean, and and I'm Bob, your question's fine. And I hope when people ask this and we say, we're not answering it. I'm not mad about it being answered. I asked, I completely understand where y'all are coming from with all of this. It's natural. It's just, that's not something I'm comfortable doing and it's not something that I want on my, on my channel. And so we all, everyone has been made aware that that's not what we're speaking on. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll just, we'll address the decisions that are made and the coaches that are on staff. I want ultimately, I want what's best for the program.
3: So whether Tommy Reese is a part of that or he isn't, we'll talk about if he is a part of the solution, if he's not a part of the solution and our conversation will come from there. Right. But ultimately, the bottom line, and I've never steered away from this fact, is that I'm a fan of Notre Dame football. Right. And I want Notre Dame football to be very successful. And I will lay out just as Brian just stated what I think they need to best do with whoever is the coach, whoever is the coordinator, whoever, whatever players on the field, what I feel like they need to do to make them the best possible product that they can to get back to where they need to go. That's the point blank to it. So that's – I agree because – Look, we're, we all are professional in something, right, in, in different avenues. And I don't think anybody would appreciate anyone saying that we should get fired
1: for Well, i have had well-being. people say that to me on Twitter, and I don't care much for it. <laughs> yes, or at least yes. I used to not. I don't care anymore. I mean, I can't – I'm not going to fire myself. So um, – uh, but, uh, I mean, it just it, – it, it, but the other thing, too, it, it
3: does it, – if you tried frying yourself, that'd be pretty hysterical. Yeah. I, I can just imagine you like looking in the mirror, like, Brian, we need to have a conversation. Can you yeah. just sit down? Like, yeah. And then I start, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> if I start doing that, then you need to call someone. I'll, I need, I'll bring up,
3: I'll, 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 stri- I'll, I'll give yeah. you an
1: Irish breakdown straight jacket. Yeah. I, I would school. need some help there. Uh, the other thing, too, in, in all seriousness, too, Brian, is is it doesn't matter what we think. Like, Jack Swarbrick's not sitting at his desk. Like, Come on, Driscoll, answer the dang question. I need to know what to do. You know, Marcus Freeman's not sitting at his desk being like, man, have has Driscoll weighed in on, on, on what I should do at the offensive coordinator or not? Like, maybe I should call him and ask him what he thinks. Uh, I promise you that's not happening. And so it doesn't matter. And so then what if I sit here today and say one of two, I'm going to say one of two things because then people take it the wrong way I'm I say one. What if I say, you know what, he needs to move on from Tommy Reese. And then he doesn't. And then I have to then work with this coaching staff to try to get intel or get scoop and Or, or if I say he should be fired and then I'm critical of Tommy Reese next year, it's going to be, well, you only think that because you don't think he should be here. You don't like him. You're a hater, whatever the case may be. Right. Then the flip side is what if I say, nope, Marcus Freeman needs to come back or bring Tommy Reese back. No doubt about it. Absolutely. And then he doesn't. And then I'm like, okay, then if I, then he hires someone else and let's say, I don't like that hire. Oh, you're just saying that because you were Tommy's boy. Or you didn't think he should. It, it, so it doesn't matter what I say. And it's going to be harder for me to be perceived as objective if I've weighed in on what he should do, if I have a, a, a negative reaction to what he does. And so since my opinion doesn't matter, I mean, because if my opinion mattered, Brian Kelly wouldn't have been brought back after 2016. So clearly they're not listening to me at Notre Dame, <laughs> right? And a lot of Brian Kelly's hires would have been different if it was up to me. So uh, it just doesn't matter. I'm going to evaluate the coaches that are here and the decisions that Mark Freeman, Marcus Freeman makes. It's up to him, and he gets paid a lot more than I make, to make those decisions. And that's kind of where I'm at. So, yeah, that's where I'm at on that one. And I, and I hope And I know not everyone's going to agree with that, and I understand and I respect it. I respect your disagreement. I'm just telling you where I'm at on that one uh let's see here ryan this is a this is an interesting one i'm gonna get your thoughts on this from brent smith uh, i'll mm-hmm. give my short answer and then yep. you can follow up brian and ryan do you believe next year there'll be less substitution at the safety position uh yes no yes but partly because if if everyone's healthy yes if not no part of the rotation this year was about health but mm. eat, there will always be a rotation safety. It will always play at least three safeties every game. Yep. Thoughts on that, Ryan?
3: Yeah, I'm just thinking of the names that are going to be potentially in the room next year, which will be interesting, right? Like you'll have Xavier Watts coming back. I know Justin Walters is still on the roster. You'll have Peyton Bowen coming in. You'll have a Don Ramon Henderson. coming in, Ramon Henderson. You'll have Ben Minich coming in. So I'm interested to see how much that freshman class is able to capitalize on playing time, Brian. Because I know we talked about this a lot, right? Like I expect Peyton Bowen, if he's a part of the class, to have a significant role next year. But I wouldn't be shocked if Adon shoulders too good to keep off the off the field in some capacity, right? But I mean, to your point, I don't think that the safety room is going to be incredibly deep from a experience level next year. I mean, like you're going to have Ramon back, you're going to have Xavier back that have played a decent amount of football maybe Brandon Joseph, although I, I don't really anticipate that one as, as we're kind of currently sitting. So I, I don't think there's a lot of depth from a veteran perspective next year, but it'll be interesting to see how the freshmen are able to kind of crack into the rotation next year. That'll be kind of a, because I mean, what if, what if Peyton Bowen and Adon Schuler are just too good to keep off the field, you know, and then you start mixing it up with the Ramon Henderson's, the Xavier Wattses, then that kind
1: of changes my answer a little bit, right? Like that's mm-hmm. then
3: that gets a little different,
1: but. Jason Sexton asked Brian and Ryan, when was the last time Notre Dame had such a gap-closing quarterback room, if you include the 23 class? Well, I mean, honestly, the 2018 starting lineup was really flipping good. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Notre Dame had arguably the best cornerback, um, one of the best cornerback rooms in the country that year, if you look at the starters. Now, there, the difference yeah. was, the problem was, because Dante Vaughn was hurt, that year, not never was 100. percent When you lost one of the starters, there was a big drop off sure. because of Dante's injury. And then after Dante, there wasn't a whole lot. It was like freshman treat Bracey, who was you know good at times, but he was not the guy you wanted to be playing against Clemson's Giants, right? But that quarterback room was that cornerback room was really good. That cornerback room was as good as anybody, and that's part of the reason that Clemson felt so comfort, confident they were going to win the title after they beat Notre Dame because they were not at all worried about Clemson's defense compared to Notre Dame's that year. Right. And so, but the depth is the thing. And so, uh, look, next year's cornerback, cl- cornerback tandem, if Cam Hart comes back, if he comes back, I think could be every bit as good, if not bigger, better than the 2018 group. Definitely bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely bigger. I, I think it can be better. Yeah. Now, if, if, now here's the thing if, the, if everybody pans out, Jason, that's the key is like, what if these guys don't pan out? If everybody pans out, and and Jaden Mickey's as good as we think, and Christian Gray's as good as we think, and Micah Bell, you have to kind of go back to the early '90s when Notre Dame was putting out first and second round draft picks every year in the secondary. I mean, Jeff Burris, Tom Carter, Bobby Bobby Taylor, Willie Clark. I mean, they were putting out high draft picks nonstop, and uh, that uh, you know that's kind of where where I think it can get to at least a corner safety you're going to need another good year to back up this it's a great i mean there's not a better safety group in the country in my opinion than the one they have now but it's needed because it's It's uh, thin right now yeah Yeah. Yep. and and you need to follow it up with another really good safety class in my opinion Mm -hmm. or a deep corner class that has kids that can then move to safety like if let's say they sign three corners again in 2024 and you know there's a Couple kids that are on the board that like if the kid doesn't stick at corner it could be a really good cover safety, then do that at least. But they need to get more kids that have safety potential. In my agree. opinion, agree. All right, let's get to some more here. J- just uh, Jonathan Gabrick, and we have a basketball question we're going to get to here in a second as well. But he said Hudson oh. Card to the portal could another failed Longhorn quarterback end up in Nebraska? Uh, first of all, I do not consider Hudson Card a failed quarterback. He played pretty well in the limited time he had this yes. year. So, yeah. I think he threw for over 300 yards in, a, in the last game he started. Look, there was no way in heck that they were not going to start Quinn Ewers this year. Even Throw though
3: ev- everything I heard, Hudson mm-hmm. Card was
1: better in the preseason than Quinn Ewers. Yeah. But, yeah. A lot of people have argued that, that he yeah. outplayed, but you're just, you're not going to, you're not going to, you can't not start him. For a, a, some legitimate reasons, some not very legitimate reasons. Sure. But that's just part of the, the deal in the, the the modern era right Mm -hmm. And, and look so does that mean that joe burrow was a failed ohio state quarterback yeah you know what i mean so uh he is not casey thompson I mean, no, that, 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 that's much just... more talented than Casey. Thompson. Yeah. Now what I look at Hudson cart, he's one of several kids that I'll look at and one of several kids that I'll talk about, you know, the reports are now reports came out during the show that he was going to be in the portal. That's not unexpected. Uh, I also know that there are conversations that have been had with, you know, if you jump in the portal, there'd be some interest. I believe that to be the case as well. Uh, but Notre Dame has got to be real careful with that. You can't reach out to kids. Uh doesn't mean people can't call you or reach out to sources that you know, but uh, I think Notre Dame would look at him as, as one of several kids to look at. So I, um, would yeah. I, I consider him? Yes. Would he be my, definitely that guy's the guy that I want. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm not yeah. there yet. There's several yeah. kids that I like. I mean, yeah. we're,
3: we're, we're obviously still doing our homework on guys that could potentially be in the portal because there's a lot of guys right now that you're, hearing also that aren't in the portal right so like until right. they get in why are you going to study them just in case they don't enter the portal type of right. thing but to the question though Jonathan I also do push back against the failed Longhorn quarterback yeah. I think that's unfair to him because I watched the West Virginia game on the coaches' film and I thought yeah. Hudson Card looked very good in that football game he did so. some good
1: things in the Texas Tech game they lost as well they couldn't run the ball yeah. once they got a big lead they couldn't run the ball and, I thought he
3: had some decent moments since Alabama as well. Yeah. I don't think it was like this, like fall off the face yeah. of the earth type of conversation, right. but yeah, I mean, but to the question Hudson Carr is talented enough where I am definitely giving him a look. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Is he the guy? Ultimately?
1: I have no idea. I don't know who all's in the court in the portal right. yet. He's one of my favorites. That's in the portal now. Oh, like sure. if, if no one new enters the portal, he'd probably be my top guy over Cade McNamara. But there's some other guys that we're hearing might jump in the portal that m- would probably move ahead of him, in my opinion. But we'll we'll see, we'll see. Uh, by the way, Ryan, during the show, did you see that the reports now are that uh, Brent Key is going to be become the permanent coach at Georgia Tech, which might shake who? up some things uh, here a little bit. Brent Key, who was the interim coach at Georgia Tech, he was their line coach. Oh, They're really? promoting the interim coach to the head coach at Georgia Tech. Yeah, so. I like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know anything about him, but that's yeah. weird. But <laughs> based on an earlier conversation, that, that's interesting, you know, that's... if other things happen. So we'll see. John Gabrick also was talking about the basketball team. He said, uh, I was talking to Ladarius, asking about the basketball team. We are 5-1. and one. They just lost to St. Bonaventure. adventure. such a bad loss. Uh, but Bray only uses a five-man rotation. Occasionally, we'll rotate in one bench player. He refuses to play young talent unless he's forced to. We get gassed in the second half. A lot of that's correct. And as far as Bray has always been notorious for playing short benches, yeah, but the only reason he played only six guys in the most recent game is because Marcus Hammond, the transfer from Niagara, is still hurt. When Marcus Hammond comes back in, immediately the bench goes to seven. And the other thing, the other one too is Dom Campbell, the freshman big man, is was is was playing, but he got hurt as well. He he should be back soon. Once mm-hmm. Dom Campbell and Marcus Hammond come back, you're going to see an eight man rotation, which is deep for Bray, because also you have um, you know you have the current starters and all that kind of stuff. So uh, did that just happen? Let's see here. I just want to see if that happened or not. Uh, did he announce it? Give me one second. Hold on a second. Is there breaking news on the podcast right Maybe, now? but I'm trying to find it here. Uh, doesn't look like... Where'd that go? Where did it go? So, no, it's not. So he... It's uh, a retweet. So I'm glad... Glad that I made sure I checked on that real quick. Um, so anyway,
3: no, nothing, guys, nothing happened. Yeah,
1: false alarm. <laughs> anyway, uh, but the the thing is, is there's two guys that are hurt. Um, two guys that are hurt for Notre Dame right now that will be part of the rotation, including a, a transfer that was an 18 point all first team all uh, M-A- M-A-A. I always want to say the Mac, but it's not that Mac. It's the other Mac, the two a Mac, uh, mm. in Marcus Hammond. So, and then of course this year. All three freshmen are going to be part of the rotation this year. J.J. Starling is starting. Then uh, Lubin Allen is playing a ton. He was their lead. He had a double-double in the most recent game. And as I mentioned before, Dom Campbell will play a lot uh, when he gets back from health. He was playing before he got hurt. So, uh, but yes, it is maddening how thin Bray's bench is. It, it really is. And how he never has full scholarships on bat, at basketball. It just, it's it's maddening. But I just wanted to clarify that little that little tidbit there. Gavin Harden, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this one to you, Ryan. What's keeping Notre Dame from moving Maris Loufault to Viper full time since he plays better just going forward?
3: I mean, Gavin, it would be something that I would entertain, right? I, I think that the thing with this year is if you go back to 2020, I felt like there was a lot of good signs for Maris, right? Like was he always sure of what he saw? Absolutely not. But I mean, I remember watching the Alabama game from 2020 where I was just like Maris Loifow was one of the few players defensively that I would say looked like he wasn't on a different planet from Alabama that day, right? Like he was moving, he was playing physically. Unfortunately he gets hurt in 2021 and just doesn't look, I mean, he didn't take the maturation from a processing perspective that you would have liked, right? Like he's just out there and I'll be very honest, right? Like Maris Leifel is running very aimlessly on the football field at times. And there's a lot of reps where I'm just like, I don't understand exactly what he's looking at. I don't understand what his key is. I'm very confused on what this step there is. But for this offseason, if Maris Leifel comes back, it would definitely be something that I would entertain because he won't, he won't be a full-time Viper. Because, I mean, he, what's he, 235 pounds, right? So he's not going to no. play on the edge every rep. But is there a role that Maris Leifel can play at Viper next year? I think so. I definitely
1: think so. Let me ask you this question, Ryan. Mm-hmm. What would you think if Notre Dame decided they want to go to like a 3-3 look Where they kind of used him as a sort of a rush player that Mm -hmm. would also drop into the flats and do some of that hook curl stuff. Um, I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with it. Yeah, yeah. And then not not have a viper, so to speak. I mean, because if he's the point being, if they're going to play him as a full time viper, you have to change how you use your viper. Agreed. You know, now what Freeman did at Cincinnati would fit a lot better to that, and is, is kind of my point not what he's doing now. I personally like a, more of a four down, so I wouldn't want to see that. Yeah. But I think that would have to be it. But look, he'll he'll play a ton in the nickel. I think there's a mm-hmm. role for him at Viper, especially in certain teams. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing too, honestly, is I know we're all frustrated by Maris Leifau, but I still would say when he was right late in the year, to your point, Ryan, he was, he was, um, um, he was just, I mean, he was pretty good. So mm-hmm. how about they figure out why we didn't see that more Lions and fix that
3: games and not instead of it. just,
1: you know, toss them the side. I think that to me is my bigger concern. And if you figure things out and you've got to go a different direction, then, mm-hmm. you know, sure. we'll, 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 we'll go there. And, and we'll go if he there.
3: doesn't, if he doesn't develop in the off season, then it's an easy conversation. Right. Right. But at this point, Maris Leifel is still a really talented athlete. He is. So I would still try to find some way to utilize his strengths, whether that is at Viper, whether that is maturing as a will linebacker, whether that is playing maybe a little bit out in space, a little bit more, almost in a Rover role where you kind of use him more in a downhill capacity. Like there's, I still think there's ways that you can use Maris Leifel. It's just, unfortunately it was very uneven this year at will, but I still think that there's, I, I wouldn't just throw him aside. I would still try to figure out a role that would, best accentuate his strengths because I think he's too good of an athlete not to work with him. I really do. Right.
1: Next question here from Coleman Smith. Hypothetically, if Al Golden, uh, out of the blue, takes another job, who would be your top names to replace him as a DC linebacker coach? I have one name for sure that Mm -hmm. I like, and I know you have a name that you like, and I'll just say those in this hypothetical. If Al Golden were to take another job, my first phone call uh, is probably to Joe Rossi minnesota he's very good and he's a note a guy he's got some notre dame i mean he would be very interested in that job and he did a phenomenal job this year at minnesota he has the last and couple that, years yes the last couple years yes. and he's a western pa guy he would fit at notre dame i'll just leave it at that he would fit very well at notre dame that'd mm-hmm. probably be my first call mainly because mm-hmm. i don't know a lot about the guy you're about to talk about Ryan. who's that jim leonard
3: no the dude oh, from no. Illinois, I thought would be your first guy. Oh, Ryan Walters. Yeah. Ryan Walters is a really talented guy as yeah. well. You know, the Big Ten has a few of those guys. Brian, yeah. honestly, I think my only it,
1: concern with Jim Leonard is I think he's a very yeah. good defensive coordinator, but he has no reputation as a recruiter. Like, and it's I mean, well, it, it, because he just doesn't. From everything I've I've heard from some people with connections, he just doesn't he doesn't recruit hard. Mm. And is he so much better of a coordinator than the other guys that? you can get away with that. No. I mean, with all due respect, Joe Rossi's defense was better than his this year. You know what I mean? So um that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, where I'm, where I'm at. So, yeah. Well, Ryan
3: Walters is going to be the big name on the market for defensive coordinator. If for teams that are looking In my opinion, I mean, he's got, yeah. I mean, I thought he was, pretty good over the last couple of years but this year i mean illinois has just been on a different level they play a lot of multiple fronts they play a lot of three down they have some three four elements to their scheme but they are they're a team that's pretty a really disciplined team he doesn't blitz a ton on the second level which is interesting but he plays a lot of man coverage a lot of single high stuff i really like ryan walters from illinois a lot yeah so yeah that would definitely be on the short list
1: if that possibility did come open excuse me yeah there's some really good Midwestern defensive coordinators that you could look at. I think the shine is a little bit off the coach at BC. He was a, he was supposedly a finalist for the is job that, last that year. La Cuba, La Cuba. Yeah. Tim, yeah. I, I did not like the job they did this year. It mm-hmm. just didn't adjust, you know, to what their personnel was. I, I, I didn't lie to love that job. Who's who's the Purdue's
3: defensive coordinator. Cause they had a nice year defensively, yeah. And despite losing guys. I yes. mean,
1: that was the crazy losing, thing. Is, losing a first-round defensive lineman, you got better somehow. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah. they lose their top corner from last year as well? I thought I, I thought I remember that. Uh, Ron English, so hard pass. Oh, he uh, oh, yeah. knows Ron English. Yeah, he's co-coordinators. <laughs> that's another thing I wouldn't be I, – I, look, I wouldn't mind calling in somebody that's going to be your primary defensive coordinator, but then maybe naming like Mike Mickens as your co-coord defensive coordinator or pass game coordinator because – you're going to, need to start doing things to make sure you have him locked down mm-hmm. because he keeps recruiting and doing what he's doing right now at corner. He's going to be a hot commodity for some people. And uh, I want to make sure. And I, I'm not saying he is going anywhere. I mean, people want our opinion. Then when we get our opinion, they run with it and say, oh, they were saying this guy's looking around or whatever. Uh, I'm just saying hypothetically, I I feel how it all works that people are going to really be making it. I mean, if you can turn Notre Dame's cornerback room into a strength, that's not an easy thing to do. That's not an easy thing to do at all. Was there uh, Johnny more, from
3: the boot. Was there more massive news that just came up? Not for Notre Dame, but
1: for another thing, I'm going to look it up and try to find yeah. it. Yeah. My bad. Go ahead. Uh, it's all good. So uh, not for Notre Dame. Yeah. So then uh, no. I'll go to the next question. So Johnny from the boot. So is Notre Dame looking for any transfer portal players? Are there any players that you would be excited for that may or may not be in the portal? Number 1, I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about guys in the port that aren't in the portal. You know, I may mention some names here or there, but overall, uh just not really wanting to go there a whole lot. Uh, the mm-hmm. three positions and we'll we'll talk about this um moving forward is uh viper receiver and then quarterback are the top one. And receiver honestly, Ryan, if they get Caleb Smith mm-hmm. and Lorenzo Styles comes back to Notre Dame, I don't know if I'd go to the portal for a receiver. I I really don't because you'd have the three sophomores, Tobias Merriweather, you'd have five, uh, you know, the five incoming kids. I would honestly, if I had that extra scholarship, I'd honestly consider bringing Matt Salerno back for another year. As long as the promises or the the understanding is, is that this is a depth thing. You're not going to play a ton. You know what I mean? Um, Good special teams, kid, good leadership. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know if I'd go to the portal. I want to develop the young kids because there's a lot of talent in that young group, especially if Loren- now, if Lorenzo leaves, then I think you need to go to the portal to get somebody that's got some experience. Yes. The, uh, the alternative is if, if there's a stud receiver that wants to come. Okay. Well, yeah, then you take them. Mm-hmm. If Dante Thornton wants to come, I'm having that conversation with him. I don't know if I definitely would take him because you know, he, him and Tobias are very similar, but I would have that conversation, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, that's going to kind of be the topic of tomorrow's show. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit more about this uh and that's what savage science fitness's question was hey brian Ryan and brian do you think we could land that wide out from oregon who who would love your opinion that's referring to dante thornton now notre dame recruited dante thornton coming out of high school i don't uh, know much about him yeah very tall long stretch the field kind of guy uh okay. played some for them this year I had i'm looking at his numbers he Had like 17 catches for almost 400 yards just give me a second to look up his numbers here real fast i liked him a lot coming out of high why, school why, why is he transferring um, I don't know. That's uh, well, their OC just left and sure. they've got a pretty deep young receiving core, mm-hmm. but, uh, and the, and his style doesn't really fit what they're doing. They want the shorter, you know, and he's a tall, long vertical guy and he's a DC Maryland kid. So mm-hmm. he's far away from home and that, that glitz and glamor works great till you have to live in that every single day. But he had 17 sure. catches for 366 yards and a touchdown. He's a talented kid. My only thing would be, and he had four, well, four catches for 151 yards against Utah. Okay. Uh, had one, one catch for 46 yards and a touchdown against Washington. But he's real similar to what Tobias is and what and kind of Dion and I mean him, Dion and Tobias are all kind of similar players. So you know, I think the, I'd want a little bit need of a different type of guy maybe, but that's my gut reaction to it, honestly. Sure. But that's also partly because I don't think Dante would look at Notre Dame. But if he, if Dante was interested, I'll just say, Ryan, I'd make the call. He's a talented <laughs> sure. kid. I'd make the call. Yep. Uh, would he definitely be the guy that I take? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I love it. And it's not because of his ability. Part of doing this, Ryan, is not just saying, let's go get the best receiver out there. He's got to um, fit your room. Sure. He's got to meet a need that you don't have. And I don't think Dante necessarily meets a need that they don't have right now, in my opinion, but yeah. it also, it comes, well, you can't have enough big time playmakers. And I'm like, yeah, that's also true. That's right. That's true. also true. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to that?
2: When you make decisions for your company,
1: you
3: look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer.
1: No,
3: I feel similarly because I mean, if if you got a kid like that that is you know going to get immediate playing time, then you're taking Deion Colsey or Tobias Merriweather off the field, right? Like, I I agree. I think that there was a like there was already been a couple like slot options that have gone into the portal. That if I was Notre Dame and you know you needed kind of that different type of player, I would take a deep look at. To your point, but yeah, I mean, yeah. if he's if he's too similar to the Tobias's and the Deons of the world, then that's kind of it's kind of productive to developing those guys that you already had on your roster that you've already put time into over the last mm-hmm. year or, or two, yep. right?
1: So, yeah. Yep. Agree. John Bertucci, uh, I'm a, with a Super Chat, thank you, John, very much. I'm assuming Mayor is out for the bowl. What do you want to see from the O if he sits in the bowl? Who needs to step up? Can Pine win without Mayor? A couple quick things. Michael Mayer has not announced he's not playing in the bowl game. I would guess. It's 100% a guess that he wouldn't play. But knowing Michael Mayer, I don't think it's going to be an easy decision for him. Yeah, to be honest with you, and I think part of it might depend on who they play. Uh, but I would, if I was advising him, I'd tell him not to play. I, I don't like sitting out the bowl game. That's not my thing. I think you should see it through. But that's not the reality of the universe we live in. Uh, if if football was the way that I wanted it to be, you play in every game you, your team plays. Mm-hmm. But it's not how football is. Michael Mayer has given you everything he has. Everything right. he has. And I would hate to see him go into a bowl game and get undercut by some DB who doesn't want to get run over by him and his knee gets torn up. Mm-hmm. I just, I would hate that. If he wants to play, see, yeah. yeah. If he wants to say, play, I'll play him, Ryan. But yeah. but I would understand. And if I was on his side and I was a his parent or his advisor, I'd tell him not to play. Same if I was here. a coach at Notre Dame, I'd say, we, we'd love to have you play because we think we can win with you.
3: Yeah. If I, especially if, I mean, if I'm his advisor, if I'm, if I'm the agent that's going to represent him, like that would just, yeah, that would be a decision that you would have to sit down and have a long talk. But I mean, Brian, unfortunately we have seen that situation, right? Like you saw Jalen mm-hmm. Smith, you saw Jake Butt a couple years ago in the bowl game, yeah. got hurt himself. Matt Corral last year, got banged yeah. up in the bowl game. Like
1: it's now of course, those are the examples we're going to point to, but yes. more players have not gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. Sure. That yeah. have, but yep. it's, it's enough. And Jake Butt's, and Jalen Smith were never the same guys. They were Ever. never the same athletes after that. Jake Butt was no. never able to recover from that injury. Jake Jalen Butt was Smith really did good to a degree, that. but yeah. not. He was never the same guy. Yep. You know. Um, yeah. Um, here's a, here. I addressed this already in a show, Ryan, or on the board, Ryan. I'm cur- curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, who would you rather play? From Mike uh, uh, Ganocci, I hope I'm saying that correctly, Michael. Who would you rather play in a bowl game, South Carolina or Mississippi? Now, this comes from our bowl projections yesterday. The Gator Bowl is where most people are projecting Notre Dame to play either South Carolina or Mississippi State. Who would you rather play?
3: We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Me and Sean were actually split on this one, Brian. I would actually rather play South Carolina, personally. One is because that Mississippi State offense I hate with a dying passion, right? And It's almost like the – reverse triple option and it's like one of those things where like uh it's just so annoying to defend and then also South Carolina's coming in pretty hot man they just beat Tennessee a couple weeks ago they have the big win against Clemson this past week I think that you are going I think you'll be taking on a South Carolina team that seems to be going in a really good direction you know so I'd rather take them on because I just I think that does a little bit more for you to say that you beat a team that just beat Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back weeks right to end your season. I think that gives you a little bit more lore than playing a Mississippi State team that is very gimmicky, very gimmicky team, in my opinion. And a
1: really good defense, by the way. Mm -hmm. Really good defense. Mm -hmm. Very underrated defense in Mississippi State. It's funny, but, like, the last two jobs Mike Leach has had, he's built – he's had he's – they've had some good defenses. The best defense Alex Grinch ever had was the one he had for Mike Leach at Washington State. Hercules, you know? Maxi
3: Alpha, man, and, yeah, uh,
1: was, was Deion Buchanan
3: on that team? I think he might have been. I Think so.
1: Yeah. I yeah. think so. But in the defense this year, they had was really salty. I mean, it really yes. was. Yeah. So, um, and and also you get nothing out of beating Mississippi State. No, nobody yeah. cares about Mississippi State. That's I'm not saying that to be disrespectful, but like from a recruiting national perception yeah. standpoint, no nobody cares about that.
3: And South, South Carolina. Carolina. We know South Carolina's, you know, they have, have a little NIL stuff behind the scenes too. Yeah. So anytime and you give one of those they, teams, they no a little bit, you know? against
1: South Carolina for recruits this yes. cycle. I've yeah. never heard Mississippi State's name mentioned with any recruits. Mm-hmm. And I think the final point to, is to your point, Ryan. I think the buzz that South Carolina would have going into the game, blowing out Clemson. I mean, blowing out Tennessee and then beating Clemson on the road. Yeah. You know, I say, well, you know, did that did that diminish your thoughts on Clemson? Somebody asked that, and it's a fair question. I don't think it does. But you now go beat the team or even pound the team that beat the beat them. It's like, OK, yeah, it, you know, I mean, yep. and it's an SEC win. It's never bad to get an SEC win. There's are just some SEC teams that no one's going to care if Notre Dame beats Kentucky. No one's going to care if they beat Mississippi State. Ole Miss or South Carolina, people would care a lot more about those, in my opinion. Brett Key asks, Brian, which coach needs to be put on notice? Uh, Al Washington or Al Golden? Perhaps we lost Keon because Freeman and our D-line coach recruited him, and circumstances change. Any thoughts? There's a lot of circumstances that change with Keon, but I don't mm-hmm. think you can just dismiss Al Washington's role because he needed to do, you know, fight to keep him. And he talked to him, but like, I don't think he did enough there. Uh, I don't think Al Golden did enough there. It's it's a, it's, a, it's blame to go around for the Keon situation, and some of it there wasn't they could control. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to me, honestly, I don't know about put on notice. I, you know, I, I use that kind of roughly. I don't know if I would put it directly. I don't think everybody focuses on Tommy Reese. I was not blown away with the job Al Golden did this year. I really, I think they relied on 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 defense of talent a lot this year. as really good players. And I think the biggest issue that I have, Ryan, that concerns me is Al Golden has not shown the ability against good teams to be able to stop the pass and not get gashed by the run or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And we saw that against Marshall. They had a very defensive pass game-oriented game plan, which I thought was a mistake, and that allowed Marshall to run all over them. They had a great game plan to shut down Ohio State's offensive uh, pass game, and once Ryan Day figured out we can run on them, they couldn't do anything about it. And and we saw the same thing at USC. And the lack of adjustments all year was troubling. Mm-hmm. Like, if this game plan was good coming in, they were good. And the games that they won against those teams, like North Carolina, North Carolina ended up not being a great running team, as we found out when the competition upped. They also just dominated them in the trenches. It wasn't necessarily the game plan per se. So I – I have some concerns, to be honest with you, about that. And now, look, statistically, they did some really nice things, but they never had a great game. They mm-hmm. had a lot of really good games, but no great games until, what, BC, who's yeah, mess. Yeah. So I, um, I I have some concerns there. I'm not saying I'm moving on or firing people. I'm not doing that. I'm saying, like, you can't just keep doing what you're doing. And you have to be willing to address the fact that the worst position group on this roster for the entire on the defense for the entire season with the exception of a couple games was linebacker. Mm -hmm. You can't ignore that. Yes. Al Washington do a great job this year. We did a good job. And I think at times Al Washington was somewhat hindered and his group was hindered by a game plan that didn't turn them loose. They were being used to occupy blockers for the blitzers that weren't getting home. Mm -hmm. So I think Al Golden at the top is really where my, my conversation would be about, we need to get a lot better. We yeah. need to get a lot better. I like what he does. Here's the problem. I did. I said all that to say this. Mm-hmm. I believe the problem is he, he had too much of an NFL focus. In the NFL, teams just don't run enough to really scare you. The run game for a lot of teams is just a little minor compliment to the pass game. And in college football, it's a different animal. If you can Mm -hmm. shut down a team's pass game in the NFL, you're going to win more often than not. I mean, other than, what, the Titans? um, There's a couple teams that are starting to run a little bit more, Ryan. But for the most part, like, if you shut down Sean McVay's pass game, you're probably going to beat the Rams. Am I I wrong?
3: This year, because the Rams are
1: awful. Right. (laughs) Really bad this year. (laughs) But... I mean, that's what Bill Belichick did to him in the Super Bowl a few years ago, too. He just didn't let him throw on him. And then they they, they had nothing to go with. So, my, my point is, that's with a lot of teams. If you can, if Pat Mahomes has a bad game, Rams have, or the Chiefs have a tough time winning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's not true in college football for most teams. It's not. And so, I think that there was too much of an NFL thought process to this. Hey, like, we got to shut down the pass game. Okay, great. You shut down Marshall's pass game and they ran for over 200 yards on you and beat you. Great, but you didn't give up a lot of pass yards. Nah, you, you kept C.J. Stroud in check. Yeah, but they ran it down your throat for a quarter and a half and won the football game. Hey, yeah. Caleb Williams had one of his least productive passing games of the season. Okay, but he rushed for three touchdowns, and the team rushed for 200, and you lost, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's college football, man. And just that was, that was problematic for me. Right? It was really mm-hmm. problematic for me. Yeah. And they didn't have the injuries that you can point to for the offense. They didn't lose Avery David, an Avery Davis type, in my view. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think, anyway. Um, you know, Jacob Lacey quit, but he played nine snaps the game before he left. They weren't using him, yep. right? Now, you could argue that's a problem, but they weren't using him, you know? Um, so, I just, for me, I just, uh, I, I wasn't in love with what I saw. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in love with what I saw. Thoughts? I mean, it, it's, I mean, we talked about it, right? Like,
3: I think that there's a hierarchy to coaching, right? So if the team's not playing well, you start from the top up, you say, is it a head coach the issue? If you're looking at growth that we talked about with Marcus Freeman and him turning the corner, it seems, and taking control of his program and seeming to go in the right direction, well, then my next step is the offensive, co- offensive and defensive coordinators, right? Because they're in charge of their side of the football. If they have, if there is an issue with, the schematic approach to the defense if they're asking players to do things that they're not good at because we talked about this with the al golden situation right the linebackers the year before were not as bad as they were this year and they were the same dudes and they seem to regress so when that happens my immediate thought process is there must be something there with the coordinator spots that you take a look at but it keeps trickling down for me brian right so i think that for for al washington specifically I don't I think some guys definitely didn't make big jumps forward I think there were some regressions in some spots Too so much. he's a guy yeah Too so much. he's a, he's a guy that I would have very close eyes on moving forward there's no doubt I do think that there' are some things though where you can say to your points where the defensive line used correctly all the time that's not really out on Al Washington that's a scheme thing right that's a defensive coordinator's options to use the defensive yeah. line specifically. I'll look at him with the rotation of the defensive line for sure. I'll look with him and say, why was Isaiah Foskey a really good player last year? And he was still just a really good player this year. Why wasn't he elite? Why wasn't he one of right. the best in college football? That's the stuff I looked at. So I'll watch right. and I would definitely have an eye on. But to your point, I do think there were several games. You talked about Marshall. We'll talk about Ohio State from a run, de- run defense perspective in the second half. You talk about USC from a run defense perspective where I feel like the defensive game plan was not up to snuff. You talk about Navy, right? Like I was at the Navy game where in the second half, there were just no adjustments to stopping the triple option. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there's instances where I would say, for me, I have a very close eye on Al Golden moving forward, and I have an eye on Al Washington as well, because I think both of them show that there were some things to be there's like Definitely a couple red flags recruiting. that pop yeah. up a little bit with that situation. Yep, for and
1: sure. recruiting. Like, how often do you hear Al Golden's name with recruits? Not often. Not often. All right, we got a few more. We got to get out of here, Ryan and Brian. I don't think we need another transfer quarterback. Let's roll with what we who we have and look at getting wideouts and D linemen and edge players in the portal. I'm just going to say this. We will discuss this more in detail tomorrow. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. The reason that I think quarterback is there, and again, we'll dive into this tomorrow. The big reason why Ryan is you can't go into next year with your current group. And number one, I love Kenny Minchie. I don't want a freshman quarterback to have to start unless he's yes. a Trevor Lawrence. Yep. And Kenny Minchie's a really good player. He's not Trevor Lawrence. You know who else is not Trevor Lawrence? Every other quarterback in the 2023 <laughs> class. Yeah. Right? And, and maybe Ty- – everybody knows I love Tyler Buckner's health, but you cannot dismiss the lack of development that injuries and COVID have cost him over the last five years. You can't. Yep. Yep. He's played one full season of football as a quarterback in five years you can't ignore that and Drew Pine is a nice kid and a solid player but he, that's who he is this year and as we saw it's it's not good enough so i think you need competition now if tyler buckner beats that kid out great that means he's going to be a dude next year and and i got full faith that he's got the physical talent but you, but what if he's a dude and gets gets hurt in third game again because mm-hmm. of the style of play he has this is a kid who's had two major season-ending injuries, one lower body, one upper body. That's problematic for me. You can't assume he's going to be perfectly fine next year. That would be poor roster management, in my opinion. So I do yeah. think you need to go to the portal for another quarterback. I do. And Steve Angeli, nice kid. But I think this team has a chance to compete. If they can make a couple tweaks and and some guys come back that I hope and think are going to come back, this team's going to have a chance to compete for a championship next year. I truly believe that. I could yeah. be wrong, but I truly believe that. The one position I'm most worried about keeping that from happening is quarterback for a host of reasons, not just talent, but injury history and all that kind of stuff. So I want as many talented guys in that room as possible and then let the best man win. I mean, don't you at least want insurance at the quarterback position, right? I mean, you can't put all your
3: eggs into Tyler Buckner's basket next year and you can't put all your eggs into Kenny Minchie's basket. I, I, I think that both have a chance to be good if they're, I mean, if, Tyler Buckner could stay healthy. I still think he would be a good player. I, you know, I think that Kenny Minchie could be a really good player on the next mm-hmm. level. But the worst case scenario is that you get a transfer quarterback, he gets beat out, and he's a good insurance backup. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't think that there's right. a big risk to bring in another quarterback. I just, yeah. yeah.
1: You got to bring in the right guy. Sure. Like for me, Jeff Sims is not that guy. You know, could Cade McNamara be that guy? Yeah, because if Cade wins the job, you've got a steady game manager that showed that if you put town around him in a really good run game and a really good offensive line and a really good defense, he can do what? He can take you to the playoff, right? Okay. It, it, but if he's not the guy, that means he got beat out by a pretty good quarterback and that you're going to be even better. That would be the floor for me, right? Like it's if he's not Cade McNamara better, I don't want him, in my opinion. I'm not just bringing it I wanted a depth quarterback last year, but I wanted Tyler to be the guy. This year, it's a different deal. It's you're bringing a guy that can compete for the starting job and, and compete to help you win championships for me. And there are a couple guys in the portal that that have some potential for that, which we'll talk about later. And then there's a couple other guys that I hope jump in the portal that become that guy. All right, last couple of questions. We have a super chat here from BDA King. It's not just the bowl game itself; Mayor needs to worry about a lot of more practices before the game too. Yeah, and and that's kind of where I'm coming from, BDA. I mean, that it, it's just one of those things where would I would I love it for that we live in an era where where you see the thing through. Yeah, I would love that. I think that's the ideal for me. You made a commitment, you see it through. But I also understand that's not where we are. And and Michael Mayer is one of those kids that I feel has given the program everything he has, and I would understand it. Like I look at his situation a whole lot differently than I do Kyle Hamilton's last year, who I think. Quit on his team. I just, I believe that no one's going to convince me otherwise. Uh, I do not feel that way about about Mar, my, my uh, Michael Mayer. It, the polar opposite. I don't feel that way about. I didn't feel that way about Kyron Williams. I, I understood why Kyron. Kyron was banged up all year. He gave his, he put his heart and soul into every single snap he took at Notre Dame. His whole career, especially last year. I understood he had to make a business decision. I get it. I don't like it as a as a rule. Big picture but I'm not going to punish a kid's decision for doing what the current system allows him to do or advocates for him to do. I'm going to, I'm going to push back against the system, but also support a, a player's decision to make that decision because that's the, that's the world we live in. Now we have a super chat from Lucas Deason, and these are the last couple things and we're going to get out of here. Um, and uh and kind of get to there uh got some got some things i got to get taken care of here uh super chat here from from lucas tanner mckee and elijah higgins combination i would look at tanner mckee if he entered the portal elijah higgins is a nice player i like elijah higgins but i don't think there's the fit or the need at notre dame i think deon colsey kind of does a lot of what you're going to ask him to do the tight ends at notre dame do a lot of what you asked elijah higgins to do i would um I would be fine. If you're going to get a receiver, get a shifty guy, get a route runner, get an after the catch guy. I don't necessarily need a six four guy that can run. And and Elijah Higgins is not is not he's not really a, like a runner. He's more of like a an H back, honestly, in what Notre Dame would do. And I just don't see the need. Very good player, it's, but again, a lot of this, as I said, is about fit. What is the what is how's a guy going to fit on your current roster? There are some guys that I look at in the and say, oh, That's a really good football player. Would you take him? No, because the fit's not there. The needs not there. And that's where I'm. That's how I'd feel about Elijah Higgins. McKee, a little different story. If he entered the portal, but right now he's not in the portal, so it really doesn't matter. And then Garth Cassidy with the last one, Brian or, or Ryan. Do you think our starting defensive line next year could be Nana, Cross, Aiden, Keanna, Anna, and Mills? No, not at all. A couple things here. Number one is I would have Rubio in there at nose over uh, Aiden. Number two, you're gonna have a hard time getting after the quarterback with that group. You got two big ends and. Two defensive tackles in your starting lineup, and I just don't think um, I just don't think that would make a lot. Now, if, if, if could you do that against Navy? Could you do that if there's a team that's like a powerful, like a Wisconsin? Maybe, but you're going to need somebody who can get after the quarterback a little bit. So, in in that situation, you know, if you want to move Mills inside and have Mills and Cross and then Rubio and Aiden be your runners, you know, your rotation guys, okay, I can live with that a little bit but you're going to need somebody else on the edge that can get after the quarterback. And I just don't see anybody that, that, you know, Riley Mills, your best pass rusher on the outside. Um, You know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Yeah. We'll see how that pans out. I just, I don't, I don't think there's enough disruptiveness in that group Garth, but I mean, look, those are four. I mean, four of your more proven players coming back. So I understand the question. It just, um, just not, just not seeing that right now. So anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank everybody for being with us today. Really enjoyed that show. Uh, we'll be back, t- well, tonight, Sean Stiers, in about an hour and a half, we'll have a IB Nation sports talk show tonight at 6 o'clock. And then, of course, we'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. So we'll we'll do a show. We're going to kind of look at the portal. What are some of the, uh, the needs that Notre Dame has in the portal? What are some of the positions they should look at? Uh, where are the priority lists at the portal? We'll talk about why Notre Dame has to look at the portal differently. We'll talk about Notre Dame's portal philosophy. And then we'll talk about some specific guys that are in the portal that we like. And so that's what we will do tomorrow. So, anyway, for for, for the rest of the team, I appreciate you all very much. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Make sure you're checking out our website at irishbreakdown.com, our main website. All of our content at irishbreakdown.com is free. So you definitely want to check that out, all of our articles, all of our news. And, of course, if you are listening via podcast platform, we would love it if you give us a five-star review. Also, make sure you are subscribed to the CFB Nation podcast channel and the YouTube channel if you haven't already. So uh, for the rest of the crew at Irish Breakdown, thank you all for being with us today. We will talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown podcast.